All right, everybody. This is Noah and John. We're from Urban Digs. We're talking Manhattan. We got a special thing going on here today, Johnny. We do. It's a huge roundtable. Uh, there's, there's over 100 people. years of experience here. This is awesome, and I can't wait to get started. Over 100 years of experience. I got Breck Denier doing, doing a year. I'm sorry, I messed it up. Of course, I knew it was going to mess it up. No Jack Dekliski, Ari Harkov, Brian Meyer, Brian Morgan, Deanna Corey. Thank you so much. We got over 100 years experience here. Um, great stuff, and I'm going to start right off the bat. What the hell is going on out there? All right, let's start with you and let's work around the room. Put me on the spot. I'm putting you on the <laughs> yeah. spot. Um, you know, we've talked about this before. It's a tough market right now. Uh, our deals are taking a lot, of, a very long time to go from listing to getting interest to getting offers and taking those offers to contract and people actually signing contracts. So, I think buyers are very nervous, and I think the the issue that we're dealing with is sellers are in many cases still stuck in last year's pricing, and buyers are looking forward to a market that they anticipate will continue to reset and are therefore very nervous about paying pricing today. Right. Um, and I think that on a macro level, you know, interest rates are lower than they've been basically ever. Unemployment is lower than it's ever been. The equities markets are higher than they've ever been. So you've got all the major you know, macro indicators firing at all-time highs or lows as they're related. Right. Um, but our market is down. So there's this big disconnect and people don't get it and they're very nervous about it. And how long has this been happening for? And your world? I think we've been in a slow downward decline since the summer of 2015. So I think we're at the end of a four-year or in the middle of a four-year cycle. Right. And that is also part of why we're feeling the pain that we're feeling is that it's taking so long. You know, we're right. not ripping the Band-Aid off. It's a very slow process. Right. You sent us some numbers over email yesterday. And while they're really ugly numbers, I actually am pleased to see them because I think they actually align with what I'm feeling in the market. And we've had this disconnect between where the data is and where the market is. And it's yep. nice to finally see the closed data reflecting what I think we're experiencing as brokers. Right. Jackie, what are you thinking? Well, we called, Barack and I called this, we, we used the, the, the word schizophrenic. It's a schizophrenic market. Because some things that we think that are going to sell immediately because they are priced right and they look nice and everything, you know, stays on the market. And some things that we think are going to take longer are actually selling. So there is no rhyme or reason right now and there is no like geographical area that is doing better than others. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like you have to, to you know, relate to every single um, property as a single unit mm -hmm. and then try to reposition it in the market to that to the specific time of the year to the specific um, what is specifically going on on the market right now right and the problem sometimes is that we price things like three four or five weeks before we launch it by the time that we launch it we are in a different market mm -hmm. right. and in a different season mm -hmm. so you know Labor Day I call it the new year right. you know for real estate so basically I feel that we are all we all need to go back to previous inventory that we priced before Labor Day mm -hmm. and now reprice it for after Labor Day. Mm -hmm. Because before Labor Day, all the brokers were exhausted as far as showing the same apartments over and over and over. Yeah. So everybody told their clients, take the apartment off the market for the summer. Let's take a break. So now you have that inventory coming back <clears throat> on the market right. that was before. Right. And you have the new fall inventory coming into the market. Right, and this is the seasonality of our markets. I mean, we have that, that pre-Labor Day, that post-Labor Day, and that's exactly right. First the stuff comes on, then we kind of see what's, what gets signed and what doesn't and who's, mm -hmm. who's out there. What about you? What are you saying? So still thinking of uh, schizophrenic, <laughs> um, there's still a gap between where prices are, between what the sellers are looking for and what the buyers are willing to pay, which is really, that's what's causing the gap in the uh, market. Uh, I think some of the people at fault for that uh, gap are the brokers. 
right, who are also, so some of them I still see are suggesting uh, prices that have nothing to do with uh, reality today. So, um, yes, we have been in decline. I don't know if we've been feeling the decline over four years. I think uh, we've been feeling more like a, like a two-year uh, uh, span of this. Uh, I think things are starting to get a little bit better because a lot of the wish prices that we've seen before are starting to come to reality. And we've seen this time and time again, even stuff that we had that was overpriced before, as soon as we do a reduction, all of a sudden we get a bidding war. Right. So there's still a lot of money, as Ari said, the economic uh, indicators in the, in the market overall in the economy are, are strong. Uh, it's just the buyers have a uh, zero tolerance policy towards overpricing right. today. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you get to the right price, uh, there's a lot of money out there. You know what's interesting? Um, I mean, recall the markets of 2013, 14, and 15, and those buyers had zero inventory, right? Mm -hmm. They had no one-on-one -on -one negotiations. Pretty much everything was going into a bidding war that was decent. And they were coming to me, I don't know about you guys, but they're coming to me like, hey, I mean, just give me some options. I don't want to pay peak prices. Give me some options. Mm -hmm. Give me a one-on-one -on -one negotiation with this guy. Let me let me get him down a little bit without outside pressure. They got all that today. Right. It's like buyers, they wish for this type of market. <laughs> right. They're I like, mean, I hope for this type comes of market. And when they come, they, they tend to bid more when the market's the other way around. Right. And I guess it's just psychology. Right? Well, it's because they think that prices are going to come down further. It's, so that's the real, they don't want to buy That's why we don't want to buy today. Yeah. It's a pack mentality. Deanna, let's go right to you. Well, there is a pack mentality. So during the time of the height when everybody was going crazy, mm -hmm. everybody gets on board. And you don't even think about it, you know? And I agree with you. 2015 summer was about the peak. The dollar increased in value. The foreign investors started to go away. Yeah. A lot of things started happening that put us in a position where we weren't achieving the prices, but we were still seeing closings from earlier times, new developments, and so forth, and these very high-end sales that were still closing. Mm -hmm. So it was really hard to tell that the market was coming down. But it was, slowly, very slowly. What really put sort of quote-unquote, the nail on the coffin was tax reform yeah. of 2018, and that took away all these tax deductions for New Yorkers, and it was one of the reasons a lot of people that I worked with bought. They bought because they at least they could deduct their state, local, mm. and their real estate taxes. So now that's away, and that sort of put a lot of fear and uncertainty into the buyer population, which still exists today. And one of the reasons that right now we're having difficulty is because there's still incredible fear, incredible uncertainty, and the fear that they're not going to hit it at the bottom and maybe that prices are resetting. Yeah. So it's a difficult time for people. People have a hard time making decisions in extreme fear and uncertain phases, which I think is what we are in right now. Right. The mansion tax was another thing that right. sort of put mm -hmm. us into this position. Right. There's a big run-up into July 1st, and then after July 1st, especially on the higher end, which was what was the most affected by the increase in mansion taxes, that has dropped off a cliff. Right, and this, this podcast is going to be published next week, which is going to be right. after those reports come out. Right. And so the people should know that those reports are going to be <laughs> out. You'll edit what we say depending on how Yeah, exactly. But, you know, but, but I have to say, though, you do have to take into consideration that it would be a normal thing yeah. to see the numbers drop Post July one, and everyone was talking about this, and this was in the paper, yeah. so this has been announced. Is, so it shouldn't right. be like a game changer, and people no. saying, "Oh, take a look at this; the market's falling." You got to right. right, and that is something we do have to guard against. I mean, this is an incredible time for many buyers to buy. Yeah. Just as you said, when 2014, 15, if they saw prices, if they saw, we have twice the inventory now that we had in 2014, 15. You have more choices. You have less competition. Right now is a good time, so you don't hit the bottom. Yeah. But you're not going to be at the top. 
You know what I'm saying? So I think it's a wonderful time to buy. Interest rates are low. A lot of great opportunities if you can get past that fear and uncertainty. You know, when there's blood on the streets, man, you got it. You got it. Best time. You got to mm-hmm. take an interest. And I'd like, to, I'd like to jump in there, Brian. I don't want to cut you off too mm-hmm. much here, but if you look at the market from at 2010, when it essentially just came to a standstill, mm-hmm. and the great thing about this roundtable is you guys know that market. How was the decision-making process then, knowing that not only are the equity markets teetering on a cliff, but the financial system itself is, is wobbly. Yet there are people like, all right, I'll throw in a bid for that one. But people are always buying. I mean, we talked about this a little bit. Even in 2009, which was the bottom of the recession, right. yeah. there were 9,000 apartment sales in Manhattan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 9,000 yeah. apartment sales. So this yeah. whole idea of like the market's dead is, is right. totally a misnomer. Right. Mm-hmm. There are always transactions. Right. They just ebb and flow. Right. And yeah. to Barack's point, there's always money on the sidelines. At the right price, everything trades. I mean, I, I think, John, I mean, and, and I don't want to go right to Brian after this. Um, I, I just think it's because um, it, it was real back then. I mean, people were losing their jobs in the financial sector. They were seeing offices Mm -hmm. getting cleared out. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just a very tangible type of thing, and they could see it. We don't really have that today. Like you said, unemployment's low, and the the stock market's going. There's no crash. There was a crash, man. There was was a liquidation. There was people just getting rid of stuff because they had to raise money and get get out of their debts. We don't have that today. Anyway, let's move on. Brian, what's going on? just, Just so people know, Brian. Brian... You called this. All right, you called about a year and a half ago. And before this even really started, you said, here's why, here's what's going to happen. It's going to be a long cycle. People are not prepared for it. So just with that said, I want to give you a plug, and that's another reason why you're here. Right? Great call. Where, I mean, we got to be closer to the end here, Mike. Well, so I think we had Twin Peaks in 15 and 17, but the difference right now is what Deanna said in relation to tax reform that has really hit the market very hard. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think, you know, I don't know that this is the bottom or the place to buy, though, and that's where we might disagree. I think it really depends on pricing. I think there's an argument to be made that if you rent right now, you know, the numbers could look more favorable. It's like, why are you going to pay? It used to be back in 2009, 2010, I had this rent versus buy chart that I would send everybody, right? And be like, well, why are you renting when you could buy? And the numbers made total sense. You had the deductions and you know, you had much lower taxes, and the numbers just made sense. If I ran those numbers now, and a lot of inventory that's out there, they just don't make sense. Yeah. Like, so it's like, me- meaning that buy a one-bedroom apartment for a million dollars, right? Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do? You're gonna, you can rent that for 3800 mm-hmm. or you can buy it, have 20% down, cash it can't work for you anymore, mm-hmm. and have a payment that's significantly north of 4500 but also there is the other thing, that the rental market for the first time also in the last two years, 2018-2019, also suffered. Usually when the sales market is up, rental is down, and when rental market is up, sales is down. So now you have all these you know, um, uh, owners of the buildings that were offering so many incentives right. to people to rent. So by the end of the day, what you are saying is completely true. You know, it was better for them to rent in some cases than to buy. So, so one thing, well, one thing has to happen: either prices have to come down or rents have to go up, right? <laughs> right. I mean, right. well, you <laughs> see the inventory rates down on the rental side of things. Inventory, I don't really go by the rental rates because you have all of these. You know, they're giving out free months and all. It's really hard yeah. to gauge. Right. But that's yeah. going I, away now. Right, but I don't gauge the market based on that. I gauge mm-hmm. the market based on vacancy rates. So if I see uh, right now the vacancy rates are back down to 2011, 2012, that, in that world. And when I see that, I say, okay, people are flooding towards the rentals and it's making all of us suffer. Exactly. Um, and until mm-hmm. that works itself out, I don't know 
you know, how this changes. And then there are other issues that are going on too, and we kind of alluded to them, but the Chinese can't get their money out. Right. Yeah, right. I mean, they can't get, they yeah. can't even get their money out that, that's to pay issue. rent in yeah. a lot of instances. Forget yeah. it, no, forgetting about sales. Right. So it's, that's been very difficult. They made a big part of this, this boom. They made a big part of that market. Right. Right. And, you know, listen, rates are low, you know, so they don't have any more room to come down. Right. That is scary. So that's and you lose the Chinese money. That's scary, and the dollar's strong. So you don't have that. Mm -hmm. That's so. What do you expect these buyers to do? Like, why are they buying? Right. You know, unless something changes, and things always change, right? Like right. we're always changing. You know, those things change. We couldn't have foreseen tax reform, right? We didn't think the dollar would explode over the last seven years. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody foresaw those things happening. But as those things change. We have to adapt, but unfortunately, not our sellers don't always want to adapt. Like we're in the know about these things, yeah. but the sellers might not be following it so carefully. They have their own lives, they have kids, they have families, and, yeah. and their own jobs, and it's tough to follow it all. I, mean, I feel like this is just a policy-driven reset. This is just a policy-driven reset. We had the salt deductions, we had the mansion tax go away. There's talk about the pied terre tax going on. Can't hide under the LLCs anymore. Right. I mean, there's Balls. been a, right the, Amazon, rent, the recent rent right. regulations yeah. that just happened, yeah, which is very unfriendly. It's, it's a massive, a massive number of, of things too much, in place. Too much. But the and biggest thing, the time. Time. but right. but the biggest thing, besides all those things that you mentioned about the policy, the biggest thing is inventory. Yeah, it's high. We got a lot. Of it's people. high, and yeah. it started at the very high end in the new development. Yeah, and then it started, and when that got slowed, slowed down. But why it, it started high? to filter down? Why it's high because buyers aren't buying. It's buying it's because the the pace. If you just look at like all the data streams coming in, and this is why I have no hair going on right now. <laughs> but the pace of supply is outpacing the pace of demand, and we've had the pace of demand just go lower and lower and lower, and that inventory just keeps building, building. That numbers churn. don't work, and numbers don't make sense. Well, it's all about the buyers. It's all about the bids, and at the end of the day, the buyers are saying, "This is what I think New York City is worth," and and here we are saying, "Why are they thinking this way?" Right? And sellers are over here, and buyers are over here, and that spread is so big, and we're trying to close that gap, and we can't. But but well, also, there's also one, oh. I was just <laughs> going to say, also there is there exists the pack mentality along with that. Yeah. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy when everybody says the market's down, the market's down, and mm -hmm. all these economic factors are actually more in their favor, although there are a lot of things against it too. Right. Mm -hmm. But here we are, it's a self-perpetuating thing. Sure. That's why I'm saying it's a good time to buy. You're not gonna hit the bottom right, right now, but it's better, like if you need to own, if you want to own, it's not a terrible time to right. buy. Okay. If you're gonna get a 30-year fixed loan, yeah. then I, I agree. Yeah. Any of these arms, are dangerous. If you're going to be in the city for a long time, you lock in a nice low interest rate. Fine, but if you're you have a five-year plan, I don't I don't necessarily agree. But with there that. is a, another another factor also about the buyers. A message that everybody in the industry can actually relate to the buyers. You know, once upon a time, you had to compromise on something. Correct. Uh, you wanted a wash and dryer. Maybe you didn't have a wash and dryer. Yeah. Um, you wanted views. Maybe you didn't have views. Uh, but you know. Like you are saying, uh, Diana, everybody was packed mentality, so just people bid, and then maybe they had buyer's remorse you know, in the aftermath. Now, people don't need to compromise. So why wouldn't you buy now yeah. when you actually can see everything that is on the market? You can even decide on, the, on a new neighborhood mm -hmm. that maybe you didn't think about, right. and buy your, your really dream home that you wanted and, and, and check all the boxes that you wanted. Right. Pet friendly, washer and dryer, right. uh, garage maybe. You're getting what you, you want. Know. Exactly. It's a great point. I just kind of want to use that to segue into the new development market because a lot of the new development markets were built exactly with that in, in mm -hmm. mind, which is like, why compromise? We've got size, we've got amenities, we've got mm -hmm. everything you want. But 
as we know, the new development market has its own problems right now. Yeah, because of the sector that they were targeting is now exactly. completely, all the policies changed everything. All right, Brian Murray, would you, would you stop talking? <laughs> Seriously, how are we supposed to have a conversation here? No, I, I, so I agree that for a lot of what Deanna's saying, it's like, I do think there's a lot of people in 2024 are going to say, I should have bought in 19. That's exactly. not going to happen. Yes. There's going to be a lot of people yes. saying that. I don't agree 100% with the rental market. market looks hot now. I, I have this, so I oh, went with two big That was what I was saying. Yeah, but it, it's, I mean, prices of rentals are going up. Prices of purchase and interest rates are going down. I think we're close to that level. Not not on all properties, mm -hmm. but especially in that one to two million dollar range where rent is even. And the difference with owning and renting is, besides your 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 base costs are usually staying the same, even if you have a ten or fifteen year, thirty year mortgage rate locked in. Yeah, your your taxes and your common charges are going up, but your rent's always going to go up. And you're not gaining equity. So I think it is it, it's an advantage for people to buy, even if it isn't perfect. But it is very close now. With prices, with, with prices coming down. But it's all about urgency. Buyers don't have any urgency because there's no buyer on the street that thinks in 2020 prices are going to be up. Nobody thinks that inventory is going to go down and nobody thinks that um, interest rates are going to go up. But the minute that changes, I think buyers are going to start getting active. This month, my best month in two years, I have 14 signed contracts so in three weeks. Which I have price range? Two bidding wars. Um, More or less. Six to one, but mostly in that one to two. Okay. Mostly in that okay. one that's to two. That's interesting. Yeah, that's and, 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 and do me a favor, just give me a quick. I know you guys have a lot of questions. Give me a quick overview about how how negotiable are the sellers in that range. How much are they well, going down? It all depends upon the, the the position. Like right. we're talking about two thousand seven. I meet an owner, and his stuff is in a box because he lost his job. I worked. I did like two dozen foreclosures for Bank of America right. in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Much different market. So the sellers that are selling are the ones that are priced right. If anything is priced, I go price. If, if you're priced right, you're yeah. selling. That's, you're selling that's right how you now. create the urgency. But right. that's not in all markets. Seller. It's more in the lower end. It's true in all markets. But yeah. Priced right is a relative term because below a million or below two million, it's easy to know when you're priced right. When you're oh. sort of above those numbers, it's more difficult. Harder to tell, but yeah. no. you're sitting on the market for two years unsold. You're not priced right. Well, that's true. <laughs> that, yes. No, no, that's yes. true. there's a price for every asset. Yes, that's yeah. true. But it, but it, but it's a it's a faster moving market below yeah. a certain price point. Yeah. John, you just dug up some numbers because we got really scared with the quarterly numbers. We're doing commentary for a number right. of firms right now, and and John parsed all this out just to make sure everything's accurate. What, what yeah, no, it's good. that's and it's a great point, and it drives right to what you're saying, Brian, which is if you break out, you know, a lot of people are concerned about the new quarterly numbers that are going to come out because mm -hmm. we had a rush to close larger, more expensive properties at the end of June. Those have basically filtered out, so not only do you not have those properties, but you also don't have that volume. So the third quarter numbers, if you look at the big picture. Looks really scary. Yeah. But if you break out, just look at the under two million mark. You look at the one bedrooms. You look at the two bedrooms. Which is where Brian's activity is. They're doing great. Like, but that's always what I think. What markets usually start is. with? Yeah. That. Yeah. It's bottom up. Oh, yeah. 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 That's how markets it, it, work. Even yeah. in the depth of 2009, 2010, those were selling. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. sub a million at that time was yeah. still selling. Yeah. Let's yeah. move up. Let's move up to new de new development and luxury. Mm -hmm. What What are you guys seeing? Are any any thoughts on the new development sector? I know that yeah. that's like that's our pick. That's our value mm -hmm. pick right now because they're you're getting deals there. <laughs> I mean, I think the the big issue with new development is this is the cycle of, of going from hey I found a piece of land that's interesting to how I have product to sell to a buyer is a very long cycle yeah. and so the performas and the Excel spreadsheets and everything that were built by these developers and all their capital stack was done you know two three four years ago and now we're in a market where the numbers don't bear out 
And you know, we talked about this before, but part of what's shifted from the last new development boom till now is you have a lot more equity in the deals. So whereas they were levered up to 90% 10 years ago, now they're levered up to 65, 70%. So what happens is you've got a long, 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 long way to bleed them out before the banks essentially take them over and they go to foreclosure. Mm -hmm. And so you've got inventory loans, you've got you know, mezzanine financing coming into play. And so essentially we're delaying the inevitable. And so while I do think it's an interesting value play, if I'm a buyer right now, it's hard for me to find the value because the developers aren't coming to the reality. Gotcha. And that's the struggle that we're having right now. Because they have time. Because they have time and there's a lot of capital out there, to Brock's point, that's sitting on the sidelines and they're feeling that, sure, I'll do a condo inventory loan at 5% or whatever it is and I'll eventually take over the building because these guys are never going to sell. Right. Um, so we're just kind of delaying the inevitable and delaying it as more product continues to come on. Right. So do you see a lot of foreclosures in that? Sector? No, because not I think not yet. No, I think we <laughs> will. No, will you? Have you seen the future? Uh, I think it's coming. I, I yeah. would venture to say that a huge percentage of the condo deals in Manhattan today have already gone bust. They just haven't realized it yet. And when I say gone bust, the values of the units are below the total um, yeah. uh, lending. So what happens in that, yeah. what happens yeah, in that situation? I mean, it still gets the, the inventory still gets moved. It converts to the rentals. The bank has to take it over. Converts uh, to rentals. Yeah, right. exactly. Leonard, be Bank of America. Yeah. Twenty percent of their inventory so, is given to or not given. So but developers side. don't like. I mean, uh, banks don't like to hold the inventory. They don't. Right. So uh, what you're seeing now is more. You know. So the first uh, the first part is the what I call the musical chairs. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? <laughs> if uh, Corcoran Sunshine was the you know representing the building, now Douglas Aliman is representing the building. If Douglas Aliman uh, was representing the building, then then you have. Uh, uh, you know, Ruveni uh, representing the building. So, every so now the right now they're in that stage. They're uh, trying to look for the next gimmick. Mm -hmm. Who is going to give it to them? Who is going to give them the magic wand uh, that nobody know? You know that no, that they haven't found yet. Mm -hmm. In order to sell them. From another hand, you have the smart ones. So we are now dealing. We just did. You know, uh, one of the last deals at the um, uh, Greenwich Lane. And uh, and we are and I'm now doing like two deals in another a new development. So we are doing new development. So you have to basically the first question that you ask, you know, the salespeople is okay, which mood is your developer in? Mm -hmm. Is it everything you know to negotiate on the back end, or can we also negotiate front end? You know, and back end is everything, correct? If, if I'm a buyer, if I'm a buyer, I'm going to buy one of these buildings that potentially is in that category. Exactly. Okay. Am I concerned? Do I back out of this, or do I have this? Is something where the the sponsors and the lenders they're going to do their thing? Someone's going to get hurt. Maybe both of them. I don't know. But at the end of the day, it's not going to impact my purchase of this building. I have a deal here. I feel like I'm pricing it in. Do I move forward? I mean, what do you what do you tell these people? Depends on who the developer is. Mm -hmm. What is the track record of that developer? Mm -hmm. um, who is giving the financing to the building? All right. So these are all. And how terms. big is the building? Gotcha. Okay. If you have 38 units to sell versus if you have 200 units to sell, that's a big difference, correct? So right. we look at all of that when I talk to a buyer and I say, look, I think that this building because of A, B, C, and D. So I look at the whole package. Who is basically the, the team that is in place in order to sell the building? If somebody that I believe that has a longevity in the market, not uh, some drive-by developer, right. you know, I will recommend to my buyer to buy in that building. Right. Regardless. Yeah, so what are we seeing with lending now for newer developments that have to go 51% sold to get... Um, you talk about the conversions? It's only conversions, not ground up, is it 51% too? No, ground up is not. It's only conversions. Right. Okay. Yeah. that part out. And <laughs> <laughs> this is raw, baby. 
outtakes. Any new death thoughts before I go on to another topic? Or, or what's yeah, no, thought? I mean, I just think, you know, there are deals to be had still. I mean, you know, in some of the new development, there are some new develop. It depends on the developer. I mean, it's developer right. to developer. Some are negotiating more. Some are negotiating more. The salespeople may be putting on a particular front, and you find out by right. putting in a bid. Mm -hmm. It also depends on the buyer, yeah. too. Yeah. It depends on the buyer. What kind of buyer you have. Right. You have right. a buyer with a two-year horizon. I don't know they shouldn't be if we should no, be exactly. recommending them to buy right now, yeah. right? Right, right, right? But if you have a five- or seven-year horizon, right. and they right. really want to buy versus rent because right. of all the benefits for that, then it's a different story. Right, and it also depends, to your point, on where they are in their process. Like, you know, if they have a loan to pay off. I mean, there's a lot of things that come into right. play, and, yep. and we don't always know. But and where they're located and what type of right. product they have. Mm -hmm. I mean, as a guy who does a lot in Brooklyn, the Brooklyn market is much stronger than the Manhattan market. Mm -hmm. You know, it depends on a lot of different factors. Right. right. Overseas buyers. You guys got some overseas buyers over here? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Overseas mm -hmm. buyers? Mm -hmm. um, how are they looking? I mean, I know they had a lot of changes. How are they looking at this market today? Is it still interesting, or is it just back off? Like, what are they thinking? Well, look, the problem that we have now is the dollar, correct? The dollar is too strong. Right. Um, I, I deal a lot with uh, Latin Americans. So they love Manhattan. They will always like Manhattan. They love to come here. You know, I'm from Chile myself. You know, so I travel to these countries, and, and we have clients uh, also coming now from Mexico. It's a little bit of a, a newer market for, uh, for uh, New York. So they are picky. But they are not hearing so much bad news as we are hearing here. Mm -hmm. So um, they are still excited about, you know, to come here. The problem is that you have to, you know, basically re-educate them also on the areas because they are still, like, thinking that uh, Manhattan is Fifth Avenue and Park Avenue. Right. So you have to broaden that. Uh, but we are not seeing them in, in huge numbers okay. as, we, as we did before because okay. the dollar is just right. too strong. Ari, you have any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean, I would say the exact same thing. I would say the, the number of international buyers that I deal with, both representing them and having them come to our listings, has dwindled dramatically. Mm -hmm. And the few that I'm seeing that are actually transacting have some sort of boots on the ground here. Like, it's not like a fourth home. It's a, my son's going to school here. I'm buying a place for him while he goes to NYU, and right. then it's going to be an investment. Or, you know, one person lives here because they work a lot in New York, but there has to be some sort of tie to New York. Right. The sort of, like, wishful, I'd like, you know, a fourth, fifth home, I'm not seeing those purchases. Right. I'm losing a lot to London. A lot of my buyers were looking here. That's interesting. Are going to buy in London. Because of Brexit. I use a lot of... Well, you have to go to costs down. Right, right. Yeah. Them. And, and a lot of them are from Europe. I do have a lot of people from India. It's easier to commute to get there. Mm -hmm. Costs are way down. I am just getting more listings from foreign nationals who want to get their money out of the U.S. Yes. Not a fear of our economy because of the, the dollar is so strong. Yes. Yes. And I have a lot of Australians right now who I don't study the, 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 the Australian dollar or the U.S. dollar, but they're like, just get it sold. we got to do it quickly because they want to move the money out. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Brian, I thoughts? spoke to an Australian buyer yesterday. He mm -hmm. said, I'm... I'm not really. I really want to buy here, and I really want a condo in New York City. But the Australian dollar does not. It, 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 it just the trade doesn't work. So he's just like you know. He's like, listen, I'm not saying I definitely won't buy now, but I'm not being extremely aggressive. He's looking right at. He's, he's literally looking at currency trends to get more out of his. Yeah. 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 And I can't blame. Right. The dollar yeah. won't stay strong forever. Right. A little bit from the Gulf states we're seeing because it, it's it's a another. It's not London, but it is here. And even though there is, you know, uh, still the currency issue, um, there's more money there. Mm. And but but it's really not pervasive. I think I think Chinese has always been one of our biggest markets, and that's really diminished. So, 
you know, what are you going to do? And like you said, boots on the ground, if they have a reason to be here, that's why they're buying. Does anybody have any uh, crypto buyers? Or have <laughs> Not that I had one, but I, I wasn't very much involved with that. <laughs> I wasn't, because I, he was, they bought a townhouse. We didn't have like a board package or anything like that. I was going to say, which of the co-ops here about that? Yeah. <laughs> 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 they Perfect bought our listing. I don't know. Right. It wasn't my buyer. It was All right, cool. Thing. We're getting down here. Guys, how, how we talked about a, a, a policy changes affecting this market. How could this market stabilize and recover? What would potentially need to happen? This is an interesting question. You know, what what could happen? Anything? I think we need a pro-business government in New York City and New York State if it's going to turn around. Because I think if you look at the domino effect of Amazon, mansion tax, transfer taxes, pied-a-terre, ramp laws, it's just salt. one thing after salt, like one thing well, after salt. the other. It's just, it would just keep kicking us when we're down. And anecdotally, I don't know what the data bears us out yet, but anecdotally, I'm seeing a lot of people leaving New York City. Yes. There is leaving New York. I hate to tell you, you know, Bloomberg I think reported that it was 277 people per day Crazy. leaving New York, mm -hmm. and that's up from like a year ago of like 160 or something. I think some a little bit of the sheen's been taken out, yeah. and the numbers don't make sense. I mean, right. for for youngish people, 20s, 30s, early 40s, can make a salary that's relatively similar in Orlando, Austin, Seattle, right. you know, all these different secondary tertiary cities, and they can live like kings and queens relative to the cost of real estate. I mean, this sounds like something that's doable. It's not like something, it's not like uh, a crazy event happened like 9-11 and the world changed. No, we have to stimulate growth. After that. Right. I mean, look at the wave of tax abatements and what that did for the outer boroughs right. under Bloomberg, and now look at what's happening. We took the 421A away, right? And that's, that's. I mean, I've been following Smart since 2005, and it's been taken away and came back and taken away and came back that's a couple bad. of times, mm -hmm. so it could come back. Any other thoughts on what that? Well, I mean, it depends on what you... How do you describe stabilize the market? I'm, I'm talking price trends, because, really. You know. Well, price trends, that's exactly the point. Okay, mm -hmm. Because what happens, what we've been seeing over the last few years is a decline in the pace of sales. Right. And why is the decline in the pace of sales? It's because the gap in pricing, because seller wish prices and what buyers are willing to pay. Okay, And what's going to uh, make the market you know, come back or stabilize it or basically prices to go back up again, they need the, the pace of sales need to accelerate. And the only, th and the only, um, and of course we have all these policy things that affect uh, the, the the economy and the psyche and the buyer's motivation to buy. But as soon as prices come down a little bit more, you start buy. You see the buyers come come back to the market and start buying again. Right. And the pace of sales accelerates, and then the prices go up again. Right. right? So so it's really about um, you know, and I think Ari, you said that your first uh, statement that you're actually looking forward to those uh, reports. Yeah, uh, That's coming up. That's going to be a little ugly. Yeah. And once we we got to take them in in, in so perspective. So everyone knows what you're talking about. We're talking about the quarterly reports that yeah. are about to come out, and we all know there's going to be a Bloomberg headline from Osher. Yeah. That yeah. says Manhattan okay. prices. <laughs> so, 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 so we have to be a little careful with the, with the big headlines. And we know yeah. big headlines that make news and that sell advertisements. Yeah. But it's really because a lot of people rush to buy before uh, July, right. and and uh, and we lost a lot of those sales in the second quarter. Right. And I think we should really look be looking at two quarters, uh, yes. and and do that and see how the prices really yeah, fared. Uh, second and third quarter we should be looking at. Um, but I think prices did come down a little bit, and that's a good thing to show to our sellers, right. okay? Because right now, because the pace of sales is slow, we don't have enough comps to show them, so we end up showing them uh, comps from a year or two ago, <sighs> which is a point. different number. Not yeah, number. Yeah, so once we have point. the new comps yeah. and the pace of sales, and then you know prices will come down a little bit, buyers will come back, and we'll be just fine. Uh, uh, so I have some yes. one thing that I want mm -hmm. also to add. I think also there is exhaustion. Exhaustion? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, from the side of some of the sellers that have been on the market for, let's say, a year, correct? So this is what I think is going to happen before the winter. 
those people are going to say, okay, either I really sell or I take my apartment off the market. That's what I'm hoping. That's my wish, you know, for before the, the winter of 2019-20. So if those people are coming to the conclusion that that's it, I'm coming into the holiday season, I haven't sold, I reduced my price five times, this is not working, I'm going to stay put. So then that is going to be taken off the market. Hopefully the new inventory coming into the fall, uh, all the brokers are going to read your report and are going to say, okay, let's, you know, price according to the, the current um, market conditions. You know, we, every time that now we are pitching and we have been pitching a lot in the last few weeks, we are telling all of our sellers, we have been trained years and years to um, price as at fair market value. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you something, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, or Miss Seller, right now we have to do it under the fair market value. Right. Because if not, you're going to chase down the market. And, and your goal here is you're about to list this apartment on the market with 10, 20, 30 other apartments that are similar to it, whatever that mm -hmm. number is in the competition. And if you're priced above that 20, how the hell are you gonna sell it? Exactly. Unless you Never. have something amazing. Because exactly. that buyer's sold really based on price. Like if you had 31 bedrooms in a market and five sold, it's gonna be the five least expensive one that's buyers are buying right now. Yeah, yeah. that's a look very it. important thing to note. Mm -hmm. um, do you guys have any thoughts on stabilization? Um, Brian, Brian, yeah, what yeah, could happen with stabilization? <laughs> Come on, man, give me something. Um, <laughs> I'm, more, I'm more interested in where we are with rates. Uh -huh. I'm very nervous about interest rates. I think the market has gotten so used to them being low that we've just accepted this, that this is going to be the yeah, case forever. forever. Yeah. It will not. Mm -hmm. Our balance sheet is blowing up. Mm -hmm. Something is going to have to happen to correct this. Right. They print money. That's their on the only way out of this, really, I mean, honestly, is to monetize the debt. Right. And then the only way out of that is to raise rates. I mean, this, this is, is high-level stuff. This is yes. what is coming. <laughs> yeah. But it's an election year. Yeah, but look at the repo market. What was it last week? Yeah, well, they had 75 out. billion, yeah. you know, like, So that, that's, you know, a little, a that's a little scary stuff that a lot of people don't understand what's happening. Plus, we have 17 trillion of negative yielding bonds across the world. That's that's where you actually are, have to pay money to park your money. It's a little, it's it's weird. It's basically all evidence <laughs> of what Brian is saying, is that we are in a global central bank manipulated, engineered world mm -hmm. and I think what Brian is saying is that at it's some scary. point this cannot last forever yeah. and it's gonna have to be pulled back and we're just not ready for it. I think and that's why I, what I said before in terms of getting a you're at a thirty year fixed mortgage at a really, really low rate, you're gonna be there for a long time. Yeah. You'll be able to ride this wave out. Right, you'll you'll right, be right. fine. Right. But if you're thinking about buying for the next five to seven years, I'd be nervous. Gotcha. Okay, let's we're getting towards the end right over here. Um, one thing that John was asking, I thought was a really good question. Um, if I'm an agent today, all right, what's the one or two things I could do right now that will make me more money in two years from today? And I thought that's a great little idea. Um, and let's, let's start, Brian, let's start over here and go around. I don't want to put you on the spot, but like, again, these are agents that are trying to up their game. What can they do now? What can they do, now? Can they do now that will help them in a couple of years from now? Not, not something in three months, six and they're months. they're just getting into the industry. No, they're not. They're not. Oh, they, they, these are just agents out there looking to raise their game. Besides the building that time machine. Did I, should I start over there? No, you can start over <laughs> <laughs> They already know how to wait tables. Yes. <laughs> no, I mean, you got to do everything now. I mean, I mean, I always did, done everything. I want to be scared of any type of client. You need to know everything. Don't be scared of doing a rental. The rental market is hot. Go where it's hot. If your clients want to rent, don't, don't refer them off. Don't hand them off. Those clients are eventually going to buy an apartment with you. Don't don't run away from that deal. Um, don't rely on what everybody else is doing. Go back to doing open houses to meet people. Right. Go back to going out to events. 
uh, like we used to do it. Don't just buy leads off the street. This is supposed to be one thing. (laughs) (laughs) If I said 20 things, we'll have you on for the next hour. Okay, gotcha. Take every deal that comes your way. Take every opportunity that comes your way. Do not just shelve out the lead. That's that's good advice. Brian, what do you think? I would tell a new agent to think long-term, which I think agents should always think anyway, but especially at a time like this, to your point, people are thinking about renting. Take them through the rental process, think long-term. You'll eventually hopefully buy with them one day, eventually you'll sell their apartment and think about your customer base in long-term, not about making money right now. Gotcha. Danny? I would say, as I say in almost any market, is to create a business plan. And a lot of people just go past that point. Write down your goals, write down your plan, Talk. think about branding, which is very important. Think about you know where you're gonna position yourself and what you're gonna do, and start it. I mean, begin it, yeah. you know? Business plan, absolutely, and a big component of your business plan is your um, marketing and prospecting plan. And Mm -hmm. we should remember all the agents, new and old, that we're not in the uh, hunting business, we're in the farming business. So you have to start farming and marketing and prospecting today. And those are the people that will buy and sell with you one and two and three and four and five years down the road. That's fantastic advice. And and for those listening to that advice, um, it does not take, you're not going to see it after a month or two months or three months. You've got to keep doing this. But you've got to keep consistency is the key. Right. Marketing is not a one-time event. It's an ongoing campaign. Right. And and sometimes it does take one, two, three years to see the actual fruits of it. But once you see those fruits of it, you're pretty much established in that building. Great advice. Jackie. I say team up and go digital, meaning um, sometimes you have to team up in order, in order to combine you know, resources and also your strength, like you know, Barack and I just did. Um, you know, west side, east side, you know, to Israelis, you know, uh, sphere of influence. No, no, I'm not, I mean, that's how mm-hmm. we were thinking, correct? Sphere of influence, network, we have the same people. Uh, he's younger than me, you know, I, so he can appeal to other people, I can appeal to other people. Uh, and go digital because right now, if you're thinking about marketing, you know every single seller right now wants the value added. Right. They don't want to hear that you're going to put them on your website and put them on Street Easy. Everybody else is doing that. Right. So you have to to think about what is the value added that you are going to give to that seller. If not, they are not going to use you. Right. All right. Uh, I don't think I have much to add. I think these are all great points. I guess the only other thing that I would say, just from a point of optimism, is there's business in every market. There mm-hmm. are always people mm-hmm. you know, having babies, getting divorced, getting married, relocating, getting new jobs, earning bonuses, what have you. There's tons of business out there. So mm-hmm. while this is all like realistic reality and maybe a little bit negative, there's tons of money to be made in New York City real estate, even in down markets. Right. But you have to do all of these things, and there's no quick fix. Right. And if yeah. you find yourself, listen, not with transactions, there's nothing wrong with teaming up with someone that's busy and just running their open houses, like you were yeah. saying. And Whatever you need to do, rentals, open houses, just do what you need to do. And right. can I say one other thing? Sure. I think the average buyer that's out there right now is far more serious per number of buyers, whatever it is, than the average buyer in a much stronger market because, I mean, not medium strong, not like a hugely strong. So the buyers that are out there looking and earnestly looking, those are the people to work for and mm-hmm. also concentrate on and just know that even though we're not, in many cases, especially in the higher end, not getting as many people through the door, each person in my experience is more serious. So there are a lot of, I don't want to be overly optimistic, but I think there is always room for some optimism mm-hmm. in a very negative market. Right. So This is good stuff. And the only thing I would, I would say is from my business, and one, one mistake I made, is that is my, my list, my, my network list. Um, every single buyer, everyone I did a deal with, I didn't keep that list very well, especially the buyers that I didn't, I, I was, they were working with me, I put a couple bids in, we lost it, and then they never bought. 
and I never followed up with these guys, especially my buyers, my sellers. I mean, that list would be thousands and thousands and thousands long if I did do it correctly. And here I am, 10 years later, and I'm looking at my list and I'm like, damn, what, what did I do wrong here? If I just added these people as I went, um, I'd reach out to them. And this CRM. is a referral business. Yeah, exactly. Use some type of CRM. A lot of people still don't. This is fantastic. Thank you guys so much. I know you got to go do deals. Barack, Jackie, Ari, uh, Deanna, Brian's, Noah and John Brian's. from Urban Digs. This is Talking <laughs> Manhattan, and we'll see you next time.